Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I want to hear God. I want to know what He has to say, not just for me. But I just want to hear Him. Because He's my dad. And I love hearing my dad's voice. And I can hear my dad's voice because I'm his son. I don't want to just hear him so that I can share some incredible prophetic word, but I just want to hear his voice because I want to get familiar with it. I want to be able to walk with God all the days of my life. I want to know whether to turn right and whether to turn left. I want to know whether to put things down or pick things up and I know that that's not just going to happen because somehow I got blessed with wisdom from the Lord, which I don't think I have all the time, but it's because there's a constant guiding, there's a constant voice that I'm hearing from Him all the time. And I think sometimes we get cheated out of being able to hear the voice of God because we expect God to speak to us in a certain way, and it's usually in the way that he speaks to other people and we see the way he speaks to other people and you're like there's no way I can do that so we've already disqualified ourselves let me share with you a scripture from John chapter 10 I know we talked about John 10 a little while ago but there's some key principles here that I want you to understand before we get into this because I actually want today to be really practical okay and the answer is not just going to be somebody's going to lay hands on you and then you'll hear the voice of God that can happen. But I want you to see that you've probably been hearing him for a long time, but not realized it was him who was actually speaking. So John chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Who listens to his voice? The sheep. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. What do sheep do? They follow. And they follow him because they know his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Further on in verse 27 of John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The sheep will know the voice of their shepherd. You know, back in the beginning, when God creates Adam and then he creates Eve, they walked with God, and in that walk was a a conversation. There was communication that was happening. And I'm sure it wasn't just one-way communication. I'm sure that when God came to walk with Adam in the cool of the day, as it records in Genesis, it wasn't just Adam telling God all the things that he needs. In fact, Adam didn't need anything. So he didn't have to pray and ask God for stuff because God had already given him everything. So it was just this communication back and forth. The Bible doesn't necessarily record every conversation they had, but it did say that it happened daily. That was God's intention. Not that Adam would have to throw a prayer through the clouds and hope some cosmic oneness heard him and maybe one day when he wasn't too busy creating Saturn 
that he would answer some kind of a prayer for him for a need that he had. Adam had no need, and he had God with him to talk and have communication all the time. That's God's intention for us. Then sin enters the world, and that type of fellowship and communion with the Father is broken. But then we see Moses come along a little bit later, and Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. But even with Moses, God would speak to Moses, but all the people heard it. Now think about that. It wasn't just God and this holy man named Moses, but all of the people heard what God said to Moses. But because sin had entered the world, guess what happens now when they hear God's voice? Do you think it's a voice of comfort and reflection? And No. They were scared. Hearing God's voice to them because of the sin in their life created fear rather than it being a draw. And so the people in their fear said, hey, Moses, we don't really want to talk to God because we're afraid we're just going to get smitten. So why don't you go talk to him for us and then let us know what he says. And so from that point on, for some reason, man got the idea that in order for them to speak to God, they had to go through an intermediary. Somebody else had to go speak to God for them and then tell them what God said. And we read in the book of uh, Exodus and, and Numbers how Moses would go up to the mountain and he'd hear from God. He'd write the Ten Commandments. He'd come down with the 15, the Ten Commandments. What movie was that? It just flashed in my head. Move on, Clayton. Stop using references that nobody understands. Was that internal or was that external? I just said that. All right. But we get this idea that that's how God works. And we think that our experience currently was God's design. And that's the problem I see sometimes is we've settled for something that is actually a consequence of sin and not God's plan. Well, that's what we got. This is how it works. Pastor, tell us what God said. We're going to come in Sunday morning, we're going to worship God, and then you're going to give us the word. Tell us what God wants us to do. Tell us what God says. But that's not the way it works. God's plan was to speak to you directly in a way that you can hear, you can feel, you can see, you can taste, you can smell, and in a way that you can understand. The reason we had to go through intermediaries was because of the fear created by sin. Now, we see Jesus come along, and Jesus is God, God incarnate. God so wants us to get that he wants to speak to us directly. But for so long, mankind was so afraid and now have bought into the lie that they can't hear from God, that they have to go through a prophet, that God has to make something drastic happen. So instead of just sending prophet after prophet, and then they stopped listening to the prophet, stopped doing what the prophet said, God said, fine, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to meet with you, and I'm going to speak with you. So God made himself a man in the form of Jesus to come and to speak to us directly again. They didn't always recognize that it was his voice, but guess what? Sometimes we don't recognize God's voice now. But he showed us again, this was my intention. In Exodus chapter 19, God would give a few hints that this was his plan, was for us to be able to speak to him directly. 
In verses 5 and 6 in Exodus 19, he says, Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, they thought they had to go through the priest to get to God, but God said, no, 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 you will be a kingdom of priests. So that person sitting next to you, that's a priest. What's the purpose of a priest? The priest was kind of the intermediary between God and man. And he said, you're a kingdom of priests. I want you all to hear from me directly. But now because of the blood of Jesus, you and I today, we can hear God directly from ourselves. We can hear God's voice. God's sacrifice through Jesus bridged the gap of communication between us and Him. And really the gap was artificial to begin with. But He made a way for us to once again refute the lie that we can't hear from Him, refute the lie that we must go through an intermediary, and finally hear from God directly for ourselves. But Jesus does provide something here. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. Probably one of the key principles for us to really be able to discern God's voice is you got to be a sheep. There needs to be a belonging to Him. Now, God can speak to whoever He wants to. God could take the worst sinner and just part the clouds and speak to Him. I'm not going to limit God to who He can and can't speak to. But if I want to become familiar with the voice of God, I need to be His sheep. That means I stop trying to be the shepherd of my own soul, but I submit my life to Christ. I submit to the Lordship of Jesus in every area of my heart, and I join his pasture with him as the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. We sang that song today. How great a king. How great a king. What made that king so great? It's because his idea of greatness in his kingdom was different than anything they had ever seen. They expected a great military leader And their king washed their feet. Are you kidding me? Have you seen these feet? I'm not preaching in flip-flops. And he came and washed their feet. And he said, I want you to do this. And then just to be the ultimate one-upper, Jesus said, not only am I going to wash your feet, but I'm going to die for you. How great a king. Greatness isn't measured the same in his kingdom than it is everywhere else. And so because of that great love for us, we can submit to his lordship because really it's a submission to his love. And we say that we make him our Lord and our Savior. He will wash you of your sins. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness and bring you into his family, bring you into his flock, bring you into the house of God, into his kingdom. If you know that you're his sheep, then you can hear his voice. I won't make you make sheep noises. It's okay. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, God still speaks through prophets today. The office of the prophet and the prophetic words you've seen, God can speak and does speak through prophets today. They are as much a part of the kingdom and the body of Christ now as they were back in Moses' day. Okay? I don't want, I'm not here to say that we don't have prophets anymore, but they now complement our ability to hear from God for ourselves. They don't replace it. Your ability to hear from God will never replace the need for prophets in the church today. But prophets in the church today will never replace your need to hear from God for yourself. They complement each other. Do you see that? Same with teaching. The teaching gift that God puts into the church today 
doesn't replace your own ability to go to the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit illuminate the Word in your own heart. But your ability to go to the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit illuminate it into your heart doesn't replace the need for teaching in the church. It's part of the fivefold ministry that, um, it's another message, keep moving, Clayton. Internal monologue becoming external once again. It's hearts given to Him. It's hearts given to hear Him, to create the platform for Him to speak to you. But I want to share with you just three, I think three, maybe four, just sort of really key ways that I've found that have helped me learn how to hear from God for myself, how to tune my voice, sorry, tune my ears into His voice, okay? And it's going to come from Habakkuk chapter 2. If you're Australian, it's Habakkuk. If you're American, it's Habakkuk. How many say Habakkuk? How many say Habakkuk? How many have never heard that word before and you're not really sure, but you're not taking a chance? You're the wise ones. It's a bit of a debate in my house because every, every word has two ways of pronouncing it, the Australian way and the correct way. That's two. We're keeping track. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one. Okay. Oh, we have it on the screen. How great is that? Can you see past me? I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. The Lord replied, many of you have heard this one, right? Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Some of you are familiar with that voice, write down the revelation. Well, that's great, but I got to hear the revelation before I can write it down. What if I'm not getting any revelation? I'd love to write it down. I got my pen. I got my paper. All right, God, let's go. 10 minutes in, haven't heard anything yet. Let's see what God had to say in my Facebook feed today. Let's find out what's on TV. Let's think about everything else. And all of a sudden, we're ready to write down a revelation, but we end up looking for someone else's revelation that we can relate to. So let's start at the beginning of the chapter, because that actually gives us some things of how to get the revelation to begin with. Okay? Look at this first one. I will stand my watch. Stand and watch. In order to get the revelation, to hear God's voice, we got to learn to stand and watch. Psalm 64, sorry, Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Anybody ever heard that? Be still and know that I am God. It's a great comforting, be still and know. But you know what? For me, being still is really, really difficult. I don't stay still for very long. I get antsy. I got to get moving. I got to do something. If I am in a church service and I see something that needs being done, I have a hard time not doing that thing myself. If I sit on the couch too long, I got to move. I, gotta, I just can't sit still, right? So being still, by the way, this doesn't mean just physically still. It means being still in our spirit. And I learned that if I'm not careful, I can begin to fear stillness. Because when you're still, you're alone with your thoughts. See, if I keep moving, I don't have to think about fill in the blank. If I just keep myself busy, 
that I don't have to think about that thing that I know that is going to come up. Some people live with this crazy fear that if I still myself, I don't know where this comes from, but I have heard this before, that I'm susceptible to the enemy. Like if I get still, and if I just sit and be still, the enemy's going to attack me. But if I keep moving, two-thirds of God's name is go. So I got to go, 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 so, God, so the devil can't catch me. And God says, no, 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 be still and know. Know before you go. But sometimes we feel like the enemy's going to attack us. If you have those thoughts, this is what I've learned to do, that's an ungodly thought. Do you know what an ungodly thought is? It's any thought that God doesn't think. So I want to think what God thinks. So if I have a thought in my mind that's not in God's mind, that's an ungodly thought. We think ungodly thoughts are like evil and lust and, and murder. An ungodly, God thought, an ungodly thought is just a thought that God doesn't have in His mind. So if I find myself thinking ungodly thoughts like, if I still myself, I make myself susceptible to the enemy, so keep moving. Come on, keep busy. Jesus is coming. We don't know when He's coming. He better find you busy, right? Those are the mentalities we grow up with, and yet the Lord says, be still. Be still and know that if I have those ungodly thoughts, I have to repent of those thoughts. Just let me put this at ease a little bit. I'm not always responsible for the thoughts that are in my head, right? But I am responsible for what I do with them. So I might have a thought in my head. I was in a prayer meeting right before this, and I had a thought that created this barb. It was like a, a previous memory that was like, oh, that was, I don't know what brought it to my attention. I didn't mean to think that. So I don't beat myself up for having the thought, but I am responsible for what I do to it, do with it. I have to surrender that. I have to repent. Lord, I repent of that thought. Come on, you can do that right now. Pray this with me. Lord, I repent of the ungodly thought. You're going to repeat after me. That's okay, too. I'm, I don't want you to repeat after me. Just say this to yourself. And the reason I don't want you to repeat after me is because everybody's got a different thing, okay? So, Lord, I repent of that thought. It's not in your head. I surrender that to you. I will receive the Spirit, not a serpent or a stone. The Word is not just true. Your Word is true in me. And I command Satan to flee from me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It's that simple. You have an ungodly thought, just repent of it. Okay? By the way, the word repentance doesn't just mean a 180 turn to go the other direction. It means to change the way you think. Okay? Here's some practical things for me to learn to be still. I've got to find a place. Find a place to be still. That place might be a room in the house. I know if you've got kids running all over the house, that's a challenge. But find a place. Get up earlier than they do. I know it's hard now if you've got toddlers, but when they're teenagers like mine, it's not hard to get up before 11 a.m. <laughs> Find a place to be still. Remove the mental clutter. Can I tell you something I found out? It's amazing. These phones, they have this thing called airplane mode. Anybody notice that? It's 
wonderful. Some of you try to get a hold of me, and I'm like, it is on airplane mode. I'm not avoiding you, but I'm just removing the mental clutter. Some people went so far, you know revivals hit when you delete the social media apps from your phone. That's a, that's a different level of revival right there. But if that's what's creating the mental clutter, then get rid of it, okay? For me, I'll go for a bike ride. But there's bike rides and there's bike rides. Again, it's hard for me to go on a bike ride and not all of a sudden become a training ride. But I've got to turn my computer off and just ride and pray. And I had to intentionally do that, but it helps to clear the mental. For me, exercise clears mental clutter. For you, it might be a coffee. It might be just sitting and resting, but that's one way that I do. Be still and know. Stand and watch. Okay? It's more than just stillness and standing, though. It's knowing and watching. But when you're still, the purpose of being still is not just to empty your brain. It's because now you can focus on Jesus. So when you're still, focus on Him. Focus on Him. Get still. Focus on Jesus. Then we can do the next step. So in this Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I don't even know how to say it now. He says, and to watch and see what He will say to me. Isn't that interesting? See what He will say. How do you see something that's said? Right? How do you see something that's said? Well, we have to look and listen. If I say the word giraffe, what just popped into your head? Was it the letters G-I-R-A-F-F-E? Anybody spell that? Check that for me. No, you got a picture of an animal with a long neck, spots. Like you had the picture of a giraffe. You didn't picture. So you got to see what he will say. You have to learn to look and to listen. Very often, our imagination is how God speaks to us. And it gives us pictures. You know why it gives us pictures? Because we remember pictures better. Most of you won't remember anything I said. But you'll remember a picture, right? And so God will speak to us through vision. See what I will say. In the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 12, God said, when a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. Those are pictures. In the New Testament, Acts 2.17, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So what he said he would do in the Old Testament is what he's doing in the New Testament. If you're wondering, we're living in the New Testament, right? That means we can see visions. We can dream dreams when the Holy Spirit fills us. God's voice is in words and pictures. It's both. The word word is rhema, right? It's the Greek word. It's the, it's the living word. It's the spoken word. And so how did he do this? Well, take a guy like Abraham. So God gives this promise to Abraham, and he says, Look out, see the stars in the sky, so shall your offspring be. So God tells him what he's going to do. But then he gives him a son, Isaac. So every time Abraham looks at Isaac, it's a visual reminder of what he said he was going to do. Look for vision. Look for things, not just words. Don't think that we have to just hear the audible voice of the Lord. He told him what he's going to do. He gives him a son, 
And then every time he looks at his son, it's a reminder. That's right. God told me that my offspring will be like the sands on the shore, will be like the stars in the sky. But then he takes Moses and he does it differently. What does Moses encounter in the desert? Anybody remember? A burning bush. And he's like, I've never seen one of those before. And so he comes to the bush, and then the bush starts to speak to him. And he says, Moses, I want you to lead my people, the Israelites, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. So first he paints a picture, then he gives them the word. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes he gives you a word, then gives you a picture that'll help you remember the word. Sometimes he gives you a picture, and then from the picture, he gives you his word. I want you to see that these two things don't always have to happen at the same time, but don't just think words, think pictures too. When you're endeavoring to hear the voice of God, when you've stilled and quieted your soul, you sat before him, you focused on Jesus, and you're waiting for a voice, pay attention to the pictures. Look for vision. Look for it. You can ask him for it. You can look for it. He'll give it to you. I remember, Rumi shared this story a few times, but we had this little dog, Ruby, and uh, she had uh, got her head caught in our sliding glass door when she was very, very young and was undoubtedly going to die. She was like just bleeding from her ears and it was this horrible scene. And yet, not too long before that, God had spoken to Rumi some very specific things about what he was going to do through us and through the, the church. I don't even know if we had the church yet. This might have been like that year of us just kind of praying and seeing what God wanted to do. And so we go to the vet, and the vets are telling us, your dog's going to die, tell your kids to say goodbye, or it'll, for $10,000, maybe this dog will have a chance. And I'm like, guess that dog doesn't have a chance. And uh, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Again, internal monologue coming out externally. And then Romy goes in, and she washes her hands. She's washing the blood off her hands, and the Lord tells her, I'm going to give you your dog back, healed and whole, so that you'll believe everything that I've told you. And so through a bunch of circumstances, this miracle dog, not only was she healed, but they said she's going to be brain damaged. They're going to have to take one of her eyes out. She won't live very long. She doesn't have any of that. She's completely healed, whole, dumb, but healed, whole, cute, but dumb. She is healed and whole. Now, what was God doing? God said, I'm going to give you a picture so that you'll remember what I said. You see that? God speaks in pictures and words. I remember one day I was down at uh, Cape Henry. I was actually in, um, looking out. I was on the beach, but looking towards Cape Henry. And I'm sitting there praying, and I'm just focusing on Jesus. I'm not asking anything. Just telling him I love him. And he gives me this vision of a ladder coming from heaven, and there's angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And every time they hit the ground, they would scatter like as far as you could see, and then they'd come back and they'd go right back up. And I'm like, okay, Jacob's Ladder, I've read that. It looks kind of like that. And I'm, I'm trying to figure it out in my mind, and finally I just went, Lord, can you show me what I'm seeing? It's a great thing to do when you get a picture that you don't understand. Just ask him. Not, Brent, tell me what this says. Cat, tell me what this says. Can you tell? I'm like, Lord, can you tell me what this means? And he goes, I'm glad you asked. He said, those angels are bringing your prayers back up to heaven, and they're coming back down with the answers. I was like, oh, okay, wow. Like I'm seeing the answers to my prayer. Isn't that cool? I'm seeing them go up, and I'm seeing the answers come down. 
And he said, what else do you see? I said, what am I supposed to see? I'm not a big vision guy. I don't get a lot of visions, right? And the Lord tells me, I control the top of the ladder, but you control the bottom of the ladder. So wherever you take my presence is where answers come from heaven for the people. And that's where the prayers go up. And I was like, that is awesome. But because I got the picture, believe me, that stuck with me a lot. Look for pictures. Now, let me tell you a key part of this. Stop picturing what you don't want. Okay? Because God's not the only artist around. The enemy wants to paint a picture for you, too. Stop looking at his pictures. He always tries to interrupt the flow. He tries to get in and paint his picture of what your future is going to look like. Stop picturing what you don't want. God will use your imagination, but you've got to let him clean up your imagination first. God will change the picture in your mind. So he says we'll disciple nations. Do you see yourself discipling nations? Or do you think I can't even disciple myself, much less a nation? Well, ask him for a picture of it. He'll give it to you. Oh, wow. Last one. We'll do one more. This is one that I think people might miss. God's voice often comes as a spontaneous thought. Hang on. Have you seen these spontaneous thoughts before? Because <laughs> I'm not sure all of them are God. Yeah, that's right. They're not. But He often comes to you through a spontaneous thought. Habakkuk says that what He will say to me. Now, here's a cool thing about God. I have absolutely no control over what he says to me or how he wants to say it. That's what makes it so beautiful. Well, God only speaks to me this way. <laughs> I'd probably open yourself up to the fact that God can choose to speak to you any way he wants. And he can say anything he wants. We do know that God never contradicts his own word. Right? So if what we think we're hearing is contradicted in the word, that's not God. That's an easy one. But I actually think we have so much fear of getting God's voice wrong that we discount what was legitimately the Word of God much more than we get it wrong when it wasn't. Does that make sense? We have such a fear of getting... Because we think we're holding God's voice in such reverence that I don't want to get it wrong, I don't want to act on something. We've done that so much that we have discounted and missed Him more than we've given Him credit for something that wasn't Him. Is that making sense? He'll speak to us through spontaneous thought. This guy, Mark Verkler, he's actually pretty good at this. If you want to look up some of his stuff, he says, God's voice sounds like spontaneous thoughts that light up my mind, particularly when I'm focused on Jesus. I like that. You know, John 7, 37, Jesus says that those who believe, streams of living water will flow from them. That if we are part of his sheep, part, if we are his sheep, part of his pasture, then we've got a flow that comes from us, this flow of living water. That means that our surrender to Jesus means His Spirit is joined with my spirit. That's how this works. When I ask Him into my heart, His Spirit is joined with my spirit, and out of that joining comes a flow. There's a flow. It doesn't just join and abide and stick there. It does, but it creates flow. I want you to pay attention to the flow. 
Because when God speaks to us, it's often out of that flow that he's choosing to speak to us. What does that mean? It means that when I've stilled myself in the presence of God, when I've eliminated the distractions, okay, when I have focused on Jesus, pay attention to the spontaneous thoughts, okay? Now, I don't, God can give me spontaneous thoughts when I'm not even focusing on him, and that's happened before. But if we're focusing on him, pay attention to the flow that comes. I would even say to honor that flow. Don't just, just don't think when you get a picture in your mind of a giraffe when you're focusing on Jesus, come on, get that out of my mind. I'm focusing on Jesus. And he's like, I gave you the picture. Ask me what it means. Have you ever been praying, like spending time with God and you keep getting this picture in your mind of somebody? Like you see their face as you're praying. You're like, stop thinking about that. I'm praying. God's like, I'm trying to tell you to pray for them. Or maybe stop praying and give them a call. Just shoot him an encouraging text. Anybody ever had that before? That's, that's what he's doing. That's out of the flow that's actually coming out of you. That's what happens. Now, not every spontaneous thought is God, right? I did say that before. Here's how you can test those thoughts to see whether they're God or whether they're not. I already said, does it line up with Scripture? So by the way, part of hearing the voice of God is getting familiar with His Word, too. Get familiar with his word so that you'll know whether it lines up with scripture or not. Here's the other thing. What fruit is it producing? So does that thought produce the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Or is it producing the fruit of the enemy? Pride, envy, jealousy, lust. What is that fruit producing? That's how you know whether it's from God or not. Does it line up with his word? And what fruit does that thought produce? If I am praying and I get a picture of somebody and it creates the, the thorn that she prophesied about this morning, oh, that's, that's the enemy. So I know how to deal with that thought. God, I surrender that thought to you. I repent of that thought. But when I get a, a picture of somebody else and I'm feeling compassion and love, then I know, oh, God, you brought that person to my memory and now I'm going to pray for that person. Does that make sense? Look at the fruit. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Tune into the spontaneity of your thoughts. Pray from the flow that comes. This might take a little while. You might need to be still longer than you're ready to be still. It's worth the effort. Some of the prophets that you've seen up here sharing words is because they've learned to be still and they've tuned into flow. I promise you it's not because not that I'm aware of, you can correct me if, if I'm missing this. It wasn't some lightning bolt moment in a service where somebody placed their hands on them and then all of a sudden, boom, everything came super clear. These people, I know because we've been working with them in this, they just learned how to tune into the flow. Would that be fair to say? And part of tuning that in is you learn what's his voice and what's not. And you're becoming familiar with it. My heart is that you become familiar with his voice, that it's not a strange voice. Last thing, I'll end with this. It might be a funny word, but two-way journaling. I'm not good at journaling. Look at you guys. You're writing notes down. I mean, you got books and books of notebooks, and I'm not great at it. I kind of journal in my phone, but again, I've got to put it back on airplane mode because then I'll get a couple of text messages, and then I'm on Strava, and then I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be journaling, right? But two-way journaling. Remember I told you about the conversation? 
Imagine if God came to talk with Adam in the garden and it was just Adam talking the whole time. That wasn't the intention. So why do we do that? Why is our prayer time like, I've got a list and within three minutes I'm done with my list and I actually don't know what else to say. She's like, well, God, I meant to pray for an hour, but I can't talk for an hour, so I'm out of stuff, so I'll give it like 30 seconds, nothing. Okay, I'm going to go. I've prayed like that, but it's two-way. The Bible says write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. When God speaks to you, write it down. Remember it somehow. Here's how you do it. It's real simple. Ask God a question. I don't mean ask him for a thing. Ask him a question. And then wait for his response. You want to guess what my most frequent question to God is? It's not what is the meaning of life. It's God. What do you see? In me. I need to see what he sees. Because I don't always like what I see. I can easily look in that mirror and I say, I don't know why you picked this guy. God, what do you see? And listen. Because when you see yourself the way God sees you, it'll be the most transformational thing in your life. Because until you see yourself the way God sees you, you'll never see others the way he sees them. And you'll minister out of the wrong place. But you can't ask that question and run away. God, what do you see? And I know the fear is that he'll say something that's less than what we hoped. The fear is if I really ask God who knows me, what do you see? He's going to point out the things that are wrong with me that need to change. But do you know what he often tells me? It's the same thing every time. God, what do you see? And I quiet myself and he goes, that's my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. I said, God, would you tell me again? Because I forget. I don't always feel your pleasure. It's caused me to pray for people differently. Some of those people that when their face comes into your prayer time, create the thorn rather than the, the fruit of the Spirit. God, would you help me to feel your pleasure over them? Not just, I forgive them, but God, I'm not, you're not done in me until I feel your pleasure over them. That only comes when you first feel his pleasure over you. I don't know what God's going to tell you. But if you steal yourself, if you focus on him, if you get rid of some of the distractions, if you tune into the flow that's happening in you, and you ask him a question and wait for the answer, you're going to hear his voice. It might be a picture. It might be a feeling. He might speak an audible voice to you, but he doesn't have to. He loves you. He wants you to hear his voice. Yeah. Can I pray for you? Yeah. Lord, I thank you that you do speak to us. You speak to us 
We can hear your voice. We don't need a special anointing. We don't need a degree, a diploma, a class. All we have to do is tune in to what you're doing in us. So I uncork those streams in Jesus' name. I pray that you bring to all of us our remembrance of areas where either sin or unforgiveness have blocked that stream, that have blocked the flow. Bring it to our consciousness that we can bring those to the cross. Nail them to the cross. Forgive those we need to forgive. Repent of whatever we need to repent of so that we can tune in and hear your voice again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 